if you go into a bank and you want to borrow money, they're going to have, they're going to require a business plan with you. Hmm. Um, so why in the world do we think that we can just fly by the seat of our pants when it comes to accomplishing big dreams and reaching our goal and destiny, whether it's a personal goal uh, with family or, or marriage or, or kids or whatever, or whether it's a professional goal, you know, related to storytelling, writing books, um, accomplishing big things, becoming a speaker, whatever it is you want to be. Um, you've got to be able to work backwards and think it through and then begin to push forward and create time. That's one of the, I guess, one of the biggest tips I can offer is don't think that you can just fit any of this in. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, Dan Moyle. Welcome to the Storytellers Network podcast. I'm your host, Dan Moyle. And as you know, I believe in the power of story, whether it's personal connections or it's business or it's uh, something with a nonprofit, whatever it is, I know that storytelling is what separates us from all other life on earth. And we're about to get into yet another great story with a fantastic storyteller, but real quick, a reminder that our website has great resources available. There's past episodes with terrific conversations and contact information for me. Visit thestorytellersnetwork.com for all of that. Now, in today's show, I wanted to bring on a special guest to explore something a little bit different. Today, we're talking about your journey to greatness. It's, it's more a resource than an example of a storyteller. My guest today is the author of the book called Your Journey to Greatness Through Routine. And she's also the host of her daily podcast with that same name. And she's the CEO and founder of IPV Consulting, working with companies to address organizational dysfunction, getting to the root of human behavior using cognitive training methods. It's absolutely incredible. And Michelle Steffes is joining me today. So let's get to Michelle's stories. Michelle, welcome to the show. I appreciate you taking time to talk to storytellers today. Uh, how are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me, Dan. I appreciate it. Absolutely. It's fun to connect with a fellow Michigander. You're uh, you're in the middle of the state on the west side. I'm down in the southwest, so we're not too far away. You're in the Grand Rapids area. Is that correct? Yes, sir. I love it here. I can go in any direction and end up somewhere, right? <laughs> right, exactly. You're not more than two feet away from water, it feels like in Michigan. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's good to connect, Michelle. I'm, I'm glad that uh, that we got connected through Kristen Hartnagel, one of my uh, other guests from a former season. So thank you, Kristen, if you're listening, for connecting us. Um, Michelle, do you, I like to start here, do you kind of consider yourself a storyteller in everything that you do? Uh, yeah, you could say that. I, I do a lot of speaking and training, and I typically involve a lot of stories because, you know, people always connect with stories, and I have a lot of them to tell. <laughs> <laughs> and and why is it, do you think, the story does connect us? You know, why are they so effective in, in what you do? I really think there's a lot of different levels to it. I mean, first of all, people can identify with a story. Um, uh, the second thing is, is I used to study the Hebrew language and, you know, uh, we think in pictures. We just do. That's just how we were created. That's what we think like. So when you can involve a story, it's easier to kind of see the whole scene, but, but also picture what the, the whole um, picture, I guess the whole 
life-changing picture might be in the, in the effects of what you're telling. Okay. Yeah, I think that. Um, I think that makes sense. I think in pictures and and uh, so what I've learned over all these different conversations is that um, kind of what you said, Michelle. Story connects us. It's emotional. We think that way. It's there's a brain science behind it. So those of us who are telling stories are really doing some. I mean, not to like overshoot it, but doing some pretty amazing work out there in the world, connecting people through empathy and pictures and that kind of thing. So thank you for being a storyteller. Absolutely. Um, so where does that begin for you, Michelle? Do, do, can you think back over the years to uh, a time when you kind of just realized that you tell stories or is that something that someone told you and you thought, okay, this is going to work for me? How, where does that start for you? Well, I learned long ago that, you know, people are going to be won by um, not, not just uh, the, the words you speak, but by the message you share. And when you can share a message, it comes from your heart. It's filled with passion and reality, and, uh, and people can see you as someone who's authentic. So storytelling for me became incredibly important in not only what I do, um, but what I, what I can offer to connect with others. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, so in this entertainment storytellers season, uh, as I said in my intro, I'm taking a little bit of a break here in this season to talk to you, Michelle, because I, uh, looking at your background, everything you do, you explore such deep subjects in your writing and in your business, that kind of thing. And I think that those of us who are storytellers, we face a lot of challenges from, you know, self-doubt to anxiety, all the way to depression. And I wanted to explore your world of greatness through routine. Um, do you see that as a way for storytellers to achieve some amount of success? Oh, no question. No question. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when it comes to storytellers, and especially if you know, they are dealing with a gamut of emotions, and all of us are, um, in fact, an interesting statistic about 85% of the population is kind of living reactively. So, you know, an issue happens or a concern or a challenge, and the temptation is just to react to it rather than to pull back and reflect and decide how you want to react. And, you know, that's just human nature for the most part. Mm -hmm. But living a specific routine and looking towards living intentionality, in other words, from the moment you open your eyes to you close them at night, is what changes the game for everyone that I've ever worked with. And when you can live intentionally and you can think about the story before it happens rather than after it happens, mm -hmm. <laughs> there's a power in that. Mm -hmm. and, and so what I hear you say is that as much as we want to be creative and go with the wind, routine really sets us up with those. I, I almost picture you talk, we said we talk in, we think in pictures, right? I, I think of like guardrails, that if I can have that routine, I can be more creative. Is that what you found with people in success? Definitely, definitely. You expand your boundaries at many levels. Um, for one thing, you know, when you are living after the story, in other words, the story happens and then you react to it, um, you, you typically change the physiology of your body, which is something that I study often. You also change the heart energy. You affect your neural networks, uh, which is the brain science behind everything, in ways that are counterproductive rather than productive. Flip it now, and if you are able to think about the story and create it in advance, in other words, you're thinking intentionally, you're responding intentionally, you're deciding ahead of time how that, that's, you're creating your day, basically. Hmm. Um, and now you're in control, to the most part. I mean, things are going to happen you don't always expect, but you're in control, but you're also in control of your emotions and how you're going to respond. And that, in fact, opens your mind up to be more visual and more creative uh, because you're reducing cortisol, which is the stress hormone. Mm. And that, that is a, 
uh, something that causes paralyzation of the frontal cortex of the brain. And I could get into all that science if you'd like me to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we may, it gets deep. I know that. Um, and, and you talk about stress and burnout, that kind of stuff. And we'll get to that as well. How, so what does that look like uh, on a, maybe on a daily basis or, or whatever it is for storytellers to use routine to achieve that greatness? What does that really look like when you start talking to a, a client or you're giving a speech, where do you start when it comes to that kind of routine? Well, one of the first things I ask them is what's your vision? <laughs> uh, because if you don't really have a vision as to where you want to wind up as a storyteller or whomever you might be, you know, whatever your goal in life might be, maybe your biggest aspiration, then you can't really hit a target that you can't see. Mm -hmm. So deciding what your biggest dream is, deciding what your vision is, is absolutely key. The second thing that I ask them is, you know, what's your routine to get there? Uh, because if you get up and you do the same thing at the same time every day with the same emotions, the same reactions, and the same kind of thinking, you'll never expect any, any different results, as the old saying goes from uh, Henry Ford. If you always do what you've always done, <laughs> you always get what you always got, right? Amen. So, so part of your work that is uh, what I'm hearing is to, to focus people. You, you ask those questions rather than tell them. You, you get this out of them and then help them maybe kind of see it is have you found that setting up that routine comes from them or do you kind of have like a template that you begin with for, for beginners out there thinking about it? That's an outstanding question, Dan. I'm really glad you asked that. It's kind of both. Yeah. <laughs> um, what my job is, is to pull the best out of my clients. And in fact, uh, if you go to the Better Business Bureau or to Google reviews, you'll see that oftentimes that's the compliment that I get. You know, Michelle pulls the best out of me. And really that's what it is. That's what we need. All of us need that. We just need someone in our corner pulling it out of us because we always have that greatness in us. We always have that creativity that we kind of know what we want to do, but we need someone to come alongside of us and, and pull that out of us. And sometimes that requires systems to do that. So yes, I do have some systems in place. I do have methods that I use that tend to work with uh, all of my clients. And once they get past a certain point where they've learned now to design a new routine and live intentionally from a different trajectory, um, then it's like taking the training wheels off. Okay, we, we work with you now, you know what you're doing, and now you're able to do this on your own. So it's really changing the whole perspective and flipping the physiology of the person and shifting their vision to things that are going to be more productive. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think it does. And, and I, I mean, yeah, I mean, you have to have your systems in place in order to teach, right? And if, if I'm going to work with you, I want to know, I want you to set me up and then I'm going to be able to think a little more. So, I mean, that, yeah, it totally makes sense, Michelle. So you talked about the changing the physiology and how that, you know, you can, you can really, I mean, truly change. Uh, it sounds like, I, I picture it like a genetic level almost, really. Is that what we're talking about? Is, is that deep? It, yes, it does go that deep. Actually, yeah. when you say genetic, the first thing that pops into my mind is epigenetics, which is uh, cutting edge science. And, mm -hmm. you know, rather than getting into that, let's stick with a, a little bit of a, I guess, a, a first step approach on this. <laughs> and, you know, when it comes to your neural pathways, you have 100 billion neurons in your brain. You have since you were born. And when you think a thought, you're firing off electrical energy in your brain at 400 billion actions per second. And it's like a little lightning storm going off in your brain. And as you think thoughts, whether you're telling stories or, you know, uh, working on your systems for the day, as you think those new thoughts, you're growing what's called a dendrite. That's a pinkish brown in color. It's made of protein. And it looks like a little tree growing out from your neuron. 
And as you keep thinking that thought again and again and again, it continues to grow until it wires to another neuron. Now you're wiring all these hundred billion neurons and by the age of 35, you have a thousand trillion synaptic connections that you've created. But you're never just growing one neural pathway, you're growing multiple. So you're growing networks of these. So Dan, you have a network for driving that you don't even think anymore. It's, it's in your subconscious. You may not even remember remembered stopping at a stop sign on the way to work. Um, you, you have a network for your family, you have a network for how you create the storytellers network and what you do and how you interview clients. You have networks for, you know, all sorts of things in your lives. And, you know, oftentimes when we feel awkward or uncomfortable about doing something we've never done before, it's simply because we haven't built that network yet. Uh, for example, when you learned how to drive, I mean, at first it's very awkward but now you can just do it, you know, just subconsciously. Mm -hmm. So all of us are growing those networks and we're also unwiring networks that we're not using. Hebb's law says that uh, the uh, neurons that fire together, wire together, drew a blank for a second there. (laughs) And so basically you're wiring or unwiring things constantly and your choice to be, and what I call the self-directed neuroplasticity, is to create a routine that does that is designed by you to push you forward into the destiny that you want by making the right choices from the moment you, you open your eyes to you close them at night. Hmm. Wow, uh, man, that's incredible, Michelle. I can't, like I guess so, not lost, but so caught up in all of that. Like I am, <laughs> I am not a brain surgeon by any means or a scientist, but it gets so fascinating to know that we can can continue to build those networks and can we continue to do that up until i mean old old age is that like i've i've heard in the past we've talked about how the brain stops growing but is that really true anymore do we think that still no no um actually by the age of 35 um you kind of plateau a little bit but you're always going to be neuroplastic for the rest of your life you're always able to rewire your brain and I could give you some stories if you'd like (laughs) on examples of that um the the first one I'd like to tell is a three-year-old little girl and she was having these terrible seizures in fact it was destroying her quality of life because she couldn't go more than five or ten minutes and have another seizure you know falling on the floor constantly she there was no normalcy to her life at all well, after many tests and medications and things that they did, they, they found out there was really not going to be a cure because it was all in one hemisphere of her brain. Hmm. So what they did was they actually removed an entire hemisphere of her brain. So she only had half of a brain, okay? But within, and this is a true story, you can look it up, actually look it up online. But within about six weeks, she walked out of the hospital and she was talking. Now, she did require therapy after that, but if you met her today, Dan, you wouldn't know the difference between her and I. She's actually in a profession that requires a lot of intelligence, and she's functioning out of one side because her young age allowed her to rewire her brain entirely into one hemisphere. Now, that's one remarkable story. Jeez, that's incredible. It is incredible. So do do you have an an example of... of being able to kind of rewire at an, at an older age. You know, I, I picture, so I'm in my forties. I picture, okay, I'm kind of set in my ways now. I'm kind of done growing, but in reality, I'm not, I could start a second career. I mean, I have a friend who at 40 is becoming a doctor. He's a nurse right now. Yes. And so like, have you seen that happen then with, with people too? Definitely. Definitely. I mean, I could name personal examples with clients of mine 
um, but, but one really fascinating study that they did recently um, was they sent several men in their 70s to a, a resort. And in this resort, they had, um, they had them there for about eight weeks. And everything in the resort was set up like it was in the 60s, okay? Mm. So they, you know, basically had, you know, all the magazines, books, uh, decor, the TV was an old TV with old TV shows, mm. newspaper, every, everything. The, everything in there was the 60s. And they were, all they were told to do was just to come in and enjoy yourself as if you're in that year. Mm. That's it, that decade. And um, so they came in and they did that. Now, before they, they, they put them through this, they, they took all their vital signs. They, you know, they measured their muscle movements. Um, if they had any ailments of any kind, some of them had canes, some had walkers. Um, they, they tested them on all these levels and wrote down the statistics. Well, when they came out, some of them didn't need their canes anymore. They didn't need their walkers they were really transformed in a lot of ways because their brain allowed them to rewire in some way. Now that is a form of epigenetics. And that mm -hmm. study is a pretty incredible study. It's like the placebo. I'm sure you've heard a lot about placebo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's one example. Wow. Um, so, so there really another, is hope to teach old dogs new tricks, I guess. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, um, one other study real similar to this, um, is they had uh, people in every decade. So they had, you know, those in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and they tested them on all different levels of their ability to think and process. So everything from intellectual to, you know, mathematic to reasoning. And then when they, when they uh, tested the 70-year-olds, the they found there was a decline. But they put these 70-year-olds through brain training in, in many of the levels, okay? So not in all the levels, but in several of the levels, they actually scored higher than the 20-year-olds after the brain training. It's about six months of brain training. Hmm. So my point to this is, is that, yes, we are very neuroplastic. We can wire and rewire our brains. We can transform how we think and process. And again, it goes back to the old phrase, use it or lose it. Mm -hmm. That's it's funny because I, I often think of, of listeners of the Storytellers Network as, you know, young in their career, um, maybe a little bit young in age as well, just like starting out kind of thing. But in reality, wherever you are as a storyteller, you, you can take a new step and train yourself in some new way. So that's, that's, gives a lot of hope. I like that. It's fun. Um, what do you think? So I, I I'm going to say this question the way I'm going to, because I, I looked at your, at your blog and I, and I loved this idea. What is the biggest killer of energy, passion, and dreams, Michelle? <laughs> <laughs> the biggest killer of, of energy, passion, and dreams is fear. I mean, yeah. when we allow fear to take us over, um, again, we're getting into the physiological changes that we create within ourselves. Um, it will drain us. I mean, those uh, that, I'll just give you a few symptoms of somebody that is under chronic stress, high stress, which is a form of fear because either you're afraid you can't pay a bill or you're afraid you can't measure up to your boss's expectations or, you know, you, you can't toe the line or you can't save your marriage or, you know, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. It's always fear. Okay. The bottom line is fear. But when that happens and you're in that stress mode for too long, the cortisol raises as well as the adrenaline. Okay. And, and the, the serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin, all the happy drugs in your body, they go down, okay? So just some of the symptoms that, that you know, somebody might experience, maybe your audience might experience, um, if they're in this situation. Uh, there'd be things like a loss of memory, 
Uh, so you're forgetting things you wouldn't normally forget. You have a low sense of perception and, and depth of perception. So you're having to read something five or six times. It's still kind of going right past you. Um, you're not sleeping at night because in the survival mode of cortisol and adrenaline, you actually drop your melatonin levels. I mean, if, they're, if you're out in the woods, for example, and you know there's a lion growling in the bushes, that's not the time to take a nap, right? <laughs> right. So by survival, <laughs> your cortisol goes up, dropping your melatonin so you can stay wide awake for your own you know, life safety. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you also are going to have eating disorders, nutrition disorders. You're going to have the amygdala hijack, which is the emotional disorder. So you're up and down, you're all over the board. So these are all, and there's, there's just, there's many, many more symptoms. These are all symptoms of somebody that is very high in cortisol, not controlling their emotions, their stress is out of control. So fear is the very base of that. Because when we meditate on the problem day and night, when we gossip to people about it, we think about it, we're not only growing negative neural networks that are affecting our ability to succeed, but we're also altering our physiology. And therefore, we're stifling our energy because it's going to make us exhausted, fatigued, tired. Um, we're also making it so we can't sleep, which is it compounding the problem. And by the way, when you're sleeping, that's when you're repleting cells in your, in your mind as well as uh, and very important nutrients. Um, and then you're also uh, affecting your, your ability to, to, to live in your passion and dreams because you're, you're constantly entertaining in the past or the things that hurt you rather than entertaining what's possible. So that's really the bottom line is fear is the number one culprit in stifling those areas. And, and that fear, as you said, Michelle, leads to things like stress, obviously. And, and in fact, and I know in your research, you share the fact that I think you mentioned it earlier, even like eight out of 10 of us are stressed, which leads to burnout so often. Um, and you talk uh, a little bit about the 12 stages to burnout from like excessive ambition and neglecting ourselves all the way to mental or physical collapse, truly burned out. If, if any, if storytellers are in that right now, cause I mean, storytelling can be stressful, right? Whether you're waiting for a book deal or you're like you said, Michelle, you know, reporting to your boss, whatever, we can get stressed and begin to get burned out. If we see that we're in that, that, that spectrum somewhere, whether it's excessive ambition all the way to, to actual collapse, how do we begin to turn that around? I mean, it seems so scary. Like, how do we turn that burnout around? It is, it is. And, um, you know, if, if you'd like, I can review those 12 stages uh, very quickly. Sure. Yeah. And then we can talk about how to reverse those. So yeah. the 12 stages of burnout begin with excessive ambition. <laughs> can you identify? Right, right. So it, it begins, you know, you get a, get a task and you're ready to go and you're ready to do whatever it takes to make it happen. And a lot of times type A people uh, fall prey to that, but, but it can happen to anybody. Stage two, you push yourself to work even harder, ignoring personal care and needs, which is your stage three. And then stage four is displacement of conflict. So now you're kind of a walking time bomb, ready to go off on the next person that steps in front of you. Mm. <laughs> and I'm sure some people can identify with that feeling. Oh, yeah. you know, sometimes you don't even know why you're angry or upset or inflamed, but you just are. Stage five is you begin to change your values to validate your self-worth. And so you're just making excuses and, you know, trying to reason yourself into under, to, to believing that everything's okay. Um, stage six is the next step and it's denial of problems and blame. And so you, now you're, you're just in complete denial that you have a problem. Anybody that mentions it, you know, you pretty much go off on them or you just let them know, you know, Hey, it's not my fault. It's this or that or whatever. Mm -hmm. Social withdrawal is the next one. So now you kind of pull back. You don't want anything to do with anyone. Stage eight 
you start to have obvious behavioral changes. <laughs> People start noticing there's something wrong with you. You don't yet, but they do. Hmm. And stage nine is a confusion of identity. Now you really don't even know who you are or where you're going or what you want to accomplish. Stage 10 is an inner emptiness. You just feel lost and alone. And then, unfortunately, now stage 11 steps in. That's depression. So now you've literally altered your physiology to the point that, you know, the cortisol has taken over and it has created cellular changes in your brain structure. So it shrinks the hippocampus. It shrinks the amygdala, which is the emotional center. Hippocampus is a memory center. And then stage 12, hopefully no one's ever been that far, but mental or physical collapse. So um, how we can reverse that is, is, is what I started our conversation out with is the importance of, you know, having an intentional routine or mindset. So it begins with physical health. And I've actually worked with uh, um, clients that have dealt with things like brain cancer and cancer. And, you know, their physicians were telling them, you know, make sure you get exercise because exercise actually increases endorphins, which drop the cortisol and they're a natural painkiller. So if you're in a lot of misery or pain, whether it is emotionally or physically, exercise is a huge proponent to reversing that, you know, and I recommend 20 to 30 minutes a day, you know, minimum of three to five days a week. Okay. Also, working on retraining your brain. Um, your subconscious is 30,000 times more powerful than your conscious mind. And if you remember, that's all those neural networks. Hmm. So, you know, what you're feeding into it is creating who you are. And then having written goals, you know, and writing things down and what you want to accomplish and start, you know, weaving your way out of it, taking responsibility for yourself and then blocking out time to work on yourself. These are all things and there's so much more I could give you, but this gives you kind of a foundation of what it takes to get out of burnout. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, yeah, I'd like to give a couple of tips, but if somebody's really kind of facing that, I, I mean, I truly want them to contact you. We'll have uh, links in the show notes that if you're looking at on that spectrum, you need more help check out Michelle's website and blog and contact her. I mean, this is incredible stuff. Um, how you, something you said about writing goals, how powerful is actually writing down your goals? Well, you know, a lot of people hear the word goals and they kind of squirm and they go, you know, I don't really need to write them down. I know what I need to do. You know, I, I that's silly. I mean, besides if I write them down, then I might be disappointed in myself. If I don't do them. <laughs> but there's a lot of power in it. Um, I, I work with a client. Um, I, her name is Katie. She lives on the east side of, of Michigan. And, and she was struggling with clinical depression. She actually was clinically depressed. Hmm. And she had been that way for years. Well, one of the things that we worked on with her was written goals. But we also, teached her, we, we also taught her how to make a, a, a list. Um, and what I tell clients often is, you know, take a piece of paper, divide it down the middle, have personal on one side, professional on the other side, brain dump everything out that you want to or need to accomplish. So all your tasks, everything that you want to do, once it's in writing, you'll get an instant release. You'll start to feel better already, okay? And because it's written down, you're not going to stress over it anymore because you, all you got to do is go back to the paper and there it is. So you're not trying to contain it all in your mind, creating this black cloud over your head. So that in itself in writing it down makes a huge difference. But the other piece to this, and this is Brian Tracy, a quote by Brian Tracy, is that writing it down actually mirrors the neurons and increases your odds by accomplishing it by a thousand percent. The unfortunate thing is, is that only about 3% of the population typically will take time to do this on a consistent basis. Hmm. So um, one real quick example, 
is, you know, I had, I, every year I do a spring list of all the tasks, remodels, fixes that we want to do around the house. And I lost it last year for about three months. But because we had taken the time to write it down, when I finally found it three months later, because we had company coming and I, I must have misplaced it, um, I, everything was done on it. <laughs> All because I wrote it down. When you write it down, it mirrors the neurons. There is, is a huge difference in writing something down versus just thinking it. Okay. That makes sense. And so, yeah, so any storytellers <clears throat> that have dreams, turn them into actual goals and write them down. And does it have to be lofty goals. I want to sell a million books or I want to get, you know, a, a, a TV deal or I want to, or is it more creating those goals that you can reach or is it a mix of both? Outstanding question again, Dan. Um, you know what? It's I writing them down, the lofty goals as well as the smaller goals is really the key. Um, and oftentimes I'll tell clients, look, you know, have a lofty goal, but then break it down, chunk it down into little bite-sized pieces. Because we can't always eat the elephant whole, right? <laughs> right. But if we will have, uh, if we will have, like, say, a master list of what we want to accomplish in a year's time, and then break it down into months, weeks, or even small tasks, maybe connections we have to make, uh, maybe money we need to raise, maybe education that we need to acquire, even if it's self-study online, you know, writing all those little pieces down and then blocking them into your schedule, you're going to find yourself having a lot more success. So my answer to your question is both. Mm -hmm. So I, I picture it <clears throat> almost like, well, you know, whatever, whether it's professional or personal, whether it's storytelling or, you know, if you're in, in sales or whatever it is, you've got like a five-year goal, but we really don't necessarily know what five years from now looks like. So, but you've got your five-year goal that you want to shoot for, but then every year you have goals to help get you there. And then every quarter year, you know, things to get, and then every month. So you really can get down to a very granular level. And that's kind of where it sounds like anyway, the magic happens, I guess, huh? Yes. Yep. Working backwards to figure out, you know, what has to be done first, second, third. And, you know, if you go into a bank and you want to borrow money, they're going to have, they're going to require a business plan with you. Mm -hmm. um, so why in the world do we think that we can just fly by the seat of our pants when it comes to accomplishing big dreams and reaching our goal and destiny, whether it's a personal goal uh, with family or, or marriage or, or kids or whatever, or whether it's a professional goal, you know, related to storytelling, writing books, um, accomplishing big things, becoming a speaker, whatever it is you want to be. Um, you've got to be able to work backwards and think it through and then begin to push forward and create time. That's one of the, I guess, one of the biggest tips I can offer is don't think that you can just fit any of this in. Okay, all the stuff I'm sharing with you, you know, everything from retraining your brain to creating an exercise routine to breaking down your goals, you, you will never, ever just fit it in because life gets in the way. You have to create a space for it. And that's the big thing about my book, Your Journey to Greatness Through Routine, is it teaches you the importance of creating a space the same time every day, doing the same thing. And it's new, okay, it's new. But if you don't do that, it, you won't create those inner alarm clocks. See, you never, never become different intrinsically. So you'll always slip back into the same old extrinsic reactions to the intrinsic being that you are. So if you don't change and, and allocate time, say, for example, getting up maybe another 15 minutes earlier or 45 minutes earlier or using, say, a trigger. So when you get home, you know, when you see your dog, you're going to go for a walk. And while you're walking, you're going to listen to a podcast. 
those kinds of things are what's really going to change the game. And, and I can attest to like setting my alarm 30 minutes earlier, getting up and going for a walk and listening to a podcast. I listen to more podcasts Absolutely. now, you know, audio books, whatever. And then you, and like you said, Michelle, you learn. And if, and yeah, it's an, it's an incredibly powerful thing to do. I like that routine. And, it then is. I, and when I fall off of it, man, it, it's terrible. I hate it. <laughs> oh yeah. You feel it immediately. Like if you just go one day without it, you're like, Oh my gosh, I yeah. didn't do that today. Or I couldn't do that today. And that's what we want. We want to become addicted to a good routine. Too many of us are addicted to a very bad routine. Like, you know, waking up and checking your cell phone first thing in the morning or, <laughs> yes. you know, staying up too late and watching television or playing video games, you know, mm-hmm. and we could be spending that time feeding our hearts and minds, those things that will help us to grow in the areas that we need to and create those neural networks to accomplish those goals. And it's not that entertainment or like unplugging or whatever you want to call it is, is terrible in and of itself, but it's that, um, you know, moderation thing, right? I mean, it's okay. You went, Definitely. To, you went to a movie this weekend, but don't then sit around and binge Netflix for the rest the next four days. So <laughs> exactly. See now that that's, that's back to intentionality. I'm so glad that you brought that out, Dan. Um, you know, it, there, it isn't evil. It's not like you can't do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it, you need to be intentional about it. So, okay. How much, like when you do a budget, for example, you know how much spending money you have, or at least I hope you do, you mm-hmm. know, and so once you're past that spending money, you don't spend it, right? Because it's going to screw up your bills. So it's the same thing with our times. If you have a half hour for social media every day and that's all that you have to give because the rest is devoted to, you know, doing the studies necessary to be a great storyteller, to, to write that book, to become that speaker, to speak to the right people, to, you know, spend time with your family. If, if you don't allocate that time and not exceed that budget, then it is, is not intentional living and it's going to make you feel worse about yourself. So, you know, if you, if you like a TV show and you got it on your calendar to watch it, fine, but then shut the dang thing off. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. You got to be intentional about every moment you're spending so that when you get to the end of your days, you don't look back and regret. Because the pain of discipline is far less than the pain of regret. Well, I like that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to tweet that out. Um, yeah, the, yeah, that's very good. It's, it's, it's so easy to get caught up in that, that Netflix or Amazon. People also watch this kind of loop that we have to be intentional. I love that. Absolutely. Michelle, one of the things that I really liked too I saw on your website was you talk about gratitude. Why is thinking about gratitude and being grateful so important to this journey to greatness? Oh my goodness. I could never express how important it is. Gratitude can change your life. And I know of people that have changed their life just through gratitude. It is of all the emotions that we have, gratitude and compassion are the most powerful magnetic emotions. Now I'm using that word magnetic and we all know that we have a magnetism or people wouldn't wear magnets, you know? Um, and, and, and frankly, when you're around somebody that is, is totally like pissed off at you or, or hates you, you can feel that energy, right? You can feel that. Um, but, but even when somebody is passionate to you or kind or compassionate, you feel that. In fact, compassion and gratitude are so powerful that when they are delivered to a specific person or a group of people, it, it creates what's called neural resonance, which just like a release of cortisol when you're stressed, neural resonance releases serotonin and oxytocin, okay? And what that does is that creates a bond between you and that person, 
and it tears down their defensiveness. So in your own life, okay, being grateful as often as possible. And I always, you know, every day wake up. That's the first thing I do is I just start running through the list of thank yous, you know, very grateful for everything that I have. Um, it sets your, your physiology in a very, very good state. Also opens your mind up so you can think more clearly for the day and just puts you off on the right foot. And so it's just a huge chemistry, uh, uh, deliberate chemistry choice that will change the game for you. And I found too, in, in through research and personal experience, ending the day with that as well. Um, I actually, I, I did this thing for a whole year where every night I wrote in my phone notes, uh, three things that I was grateful for that day. And, and it was very powerful, but I've also heard, and, and somebody think of this, Michelle, that again, actually writing, not just typing, but actually the physical act of writing is even more yeah. powerful. Is that yes. true? You are absolutely right. That is so, so true. I have, um, I have different tools. I've actually several tools that I use when I coach uh, people and, and I, and I have a, a, a sheet called the performance transformation tool. And I always tell them you have to hand write on it. And I've had clients go, oh, well, can't you just send me a fillable PDF? And I said, no, <laughs> because your hand, your handwriting, again, it mirrors the neurons. It, it changes the way that you process the information. So you are spot on with that. Yeah. And kudos to you for your gratitude list every day. Yeah, it was, uh, it was an exper experimenter or whatever you want to call it for 2018. I, I, I didn't follow through for this year, but I, but I keep thinking about it. And thinking that maybe I should, so that's an encouragement. So thank you for that. Because, <laughs> yeah, it was. Absolutely. It was great. And then to go back and read it, you know, the, the days that I don't feel so grateful. Yeah, you know, I've had a stressful yeah. day or I'm angry or I've been oh, yeah. hurt, right? Go back and read a day ago, two days ago, a week ago and say, okay, you know what? I really am blessed. So Definitely. Because we some, all have things to be thankful for. Oh, yeah. All of us. I mean, even just breathing, you know? <laughs> I, I was <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yep. I have a roof over my head and breath in my lungs. I only have two today, but I'm grateful for those two. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I get to open my eyes today, you know, and, and you know, if you don't have eyes to open, fine. You get to take a few steps and make a difference in somebody else's life, you know, no yeah. what condition you're in or what you're dealing with. And that in itself can, can actually take people out of depression if they get serious enough about it. Because again, this is about flipping the physiology. It's about altering the way you think. In fact, um, you know, and I'm just saying this, uh, to kind of throw it in there, I realize that some people do need to get, you know, professional help, but, but a lot of what those depressive medicines do is they actually help you create dopamine. Mm -hmm. Well, dopamine is the automatic reaction to somebody that is experiencing joy, contentment, and gratitude. The dopamine is released in the body, and we have that ability so if we can learn how to, to produce more dopamine on our own, we're going to be a lot better off. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. For those who are, if you, you know, you're suffering from depression of some kind, obviously professional help, great. But I like the idea of being able to begin that journey with what, you know, our, our, our creator gave us, our nature gave us, our God gave us. And, absolutely. and that. Yeah. absolutely. Michelle, yeah, it's huge. Yeah, it is. Um, so you, so you said earlier, you, you speak, you've written a book, um, you have a daily podcast. Where do you find your inspiration for, for telling these stories, for getting this stuff out there? How do you find your inspiration? 
Well, I mean, most of my inspiration comes from what I've been through myself, but, um, you know, learn from experience and I've turned my life around at many levels. Um, but, but I would say that my clients inspire me, but I do take time every day. I have a power hour every single day. I'm up at four, four thirty every day. And I spend the first hour and a half of the day inspiring, empowering, motivating, and educating myself so that I can live at my highest. And it has paid off again and again and again and again. So it kind of comes again down to routine, intentionality. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So I I wonder sometimes when I was younger and considered myself a creative writer, I would think, well, I have to have a muse. You know, I have to, you know, Hemingway had alcohol. Uh, You know, some people have their their muse of, of of a romantic yearning or whatever and so this like idea of a muse it w- w- was there for for a short time anyway but then I began to realize and and I wonder if it's the same for you it is that routine it is keeping the muse as it were uh, always alive and with you by getting up early educating yourself being more aware being intentional I guess that's more of the muse rather than the romantic version of it huh it is because the thing with this kind of amuse, um, as you're calling it, is that it's, it's very, very fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Nothing creates more happiness than success. Uh, not just success of like reaching a certain pinnacle, but just living a life feeling like you are succeeding every moment of the day. And, you know, and that success comes from a feeling of progress. So I love what Tony Robbins says. He said, progress equals happiness. So when you live intentionally, okay, rather than just reactively or flying by the seat of your pants, then you feel successful every minute of the day. Mm -hmm. You know that you're spending your time very usefully and constructively, even if you decide to just unplug, you know, if you just decide to go for a walk or, you know, sit in the bathtub with a glass of wine or, you know, but you made that decision because you knew you needed it. You wanted it, you allocated time for it. And it was a decision that you made. And so you're going to feel great about it. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Yeah, completely. Absolutely. And when you talk about success, Michelle, it's, it sounds like you've, you've, you've been intentional to use your word and created this successful life around you. And while, while it may not be perfect and you're not ready to just cash it all in and say, I'm done. Have you been able to over the years look around and go, there's a moment where I realized I've kind of made it. Like, what does that look like for you? What are the moments that you've said, man, uh, this is, this is going well. I, you know what? That, I don't know if anyone's ever asked me that question. That's a pretty <laughs> awesome question. Um, you know, I, I really think as I reflect that it, it was the day that I realized I was 100% responsible for my own future. Hmm. You know, too much of, of society today. And you know, if you don't believe me, look at social media and the news, but too much of society today is relying on somebody else to, to let their ship come in, if you will. Okay. Hmm. And, and when you're waiting for somebody else to create your success, when you're waiting for somebody else to help you feel better every day, when you're expecting some situation or circumstance to, to change your destiny and make life full of butterflies and rainbows, you're living a life of disappointment, frustration, anguish, and burnout. Hmm. But when you live a life knowing that every moment it's up to you personally to create your happiness, to create your joy, to create your success, to design your own sense of peace and well-being, no matter what goes on around you, nobody can take that from you nobody 
and, and no circumstances can stop you from moving forward in what you believe you can accomplish. And that is probably was the turning point in my world. That's a great turning point. I, I love, uh, I love that question because I like to hear people's success stories or their advice or whatever, however that comes out. And that was, that was really good, Michelle. Thank you for that. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. Thank you for asking. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I love the idea too about, you know, you, you strike me as a very entrepreneurial person. And so having that control, whether you, whether you're, you are your own personal brand or whether you are an entrepreneur or a solopreneur or whatever, or you work for a company, you can be entrepreneurial and still own your journey. And so that's what I take away from that too. Yes, absolutely. You own the journey and to the level that you feel in control of your journey and in the level that you feel happy because you're, even if you do something silly as, you know, making a list of the top, of top 10 things you want to do and doing the first, the top three in it, that's going to make you feel fabulous because mm -hmm. it was intentional and you made progress. Okay. So, you know, I've, I've, I've had clients before, you don't know, start to work with them that first week and they call me and they're like, you know, oh my gosh, there's just so much. I just, I, I don't know if I can do this. And I'll say, hold it, stop, wait. I want you to take the next 30 minutes and just make success for yourself. Okay. I don't care if it's cleaning a corner of your room or a file drawer. Just do something that makes you feel great. Like you accomplished something. Okay. And then we'll get back, you know, together. And they would do that and then they would feel great again. You see the, 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 the reason for so much disappointment, so much frustration is people are just, you know, hanging out, waiting for something to happen to them rather than creating their success by their own intentions. And it, you know, it goes back to what I just said, but I can't say it enough because the thing is, is, you know, I'm, I'm sad for the way that the world is living. And, you know, I, I have the opportunity to speak in front of hundreds, even thousands. And, you know, I'm always going back to that with people from some trajectory because it really does count on us. And if you will get that in your heart and mind, what will happen is you will change so much internally that you will attract the things that you've been waiting for. Because I love what Jim Rohn says. He said, professional education will make you a living, but personal education will make you a fortune. It's who you become that'll determine what you attract. Hmm. I like that. Man, Michelle, we could go on for hours. This is really good. <laughs> Thank you for sharing so much with the listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, My pleasure. I have one, one last question I want to get to in just a second, but I want to give you an opportunity first. Uh, I will put links in the show notes, but where's the best way to, to get in touch uh, with you, Michelle? Well, uh, they can go to my website, uh, michellesteppes.com. There's a lot of information on there about how to get my book. I also have a podcast myself that I do uh, called Your Dream and Greatness Through Routine. Um, we are actually in a series right now on, on critical, critical steps to making lasting change. And I'm speaking, you know, really big straight talk right now. <laughs> nice. um, but, I, but I also have information on my speaking, training, you know, all those types of things. And then you can find me on LinkedIn. You can also find me on um, Facebook. And I have a couple of different pages there, business as well as personal. Excellent. I'll link to all those in the show notes for sure. Um, thank you again. I, so Michelle, if somebody said to you uh, tomorrow, Michelle, you can no longer be a storyteller because you told me that you were one. So if I said you can't be a storyteller anymore, what would be your last story that you'd want to be your epic go out on moment? Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, so my last story that I would want to share is when I 
um, came to a, an end point in a, seven years at a corporate job. And I had to make some decisions and they offered me a lower position because they were just coming out of some serious uh, debt themselves and they couldn't really afford me anymore, which is really the bottom line. Um, I had to make a decision at that point. And when I started having to sell things and lose things in my world, and it was rocking my world and I felt like it was spinning out of control. It was at that point that I dug my heels in, I clenched my fists and I said, no more, I am not losing one more thing. And it was then that I created a success routine. And it was then that I started studying and learning how to live at a whole new level of life that evolved my entire career, it involved who I am as a person, it took me to a, a, a brand new place in life that will forever affect now lives that I'll continue to affect as, as I continue to tell this story and help people to have hope that they too can change their destiny. It's just a matter of making that decision. Powerful story, advice and inspiration. I would expect nothing less after our conversation. So <laughs> thank you for that, Michelle. Absolutely. Michelle, well, once thank again, thank you, and I appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I, thank you very much for sharing. And uh, for those listeners, you need to definitely go check out Michelle's website. So, Michelle, thanks again. Thank you, Dan. You have an excellent day. So there you have it, a conversation chock full of great information and inspiration and so much science. Uh, if your head is spinning, take a moment, go for a walk, or if you're already walking, maybe sit down and, and you know, have a breather. But, uh, but Michelle, thank you so much for joining me for the Storytellers Network and exploring our journeys to greatness. Uh, just fantastic. And you can connect with Michelle at the links in the show notes, as I mentioned, uh, michellesteffes.com and also on all that social media, et cetera. It's all down in the show notes. If you enjoyed the episode and learned something, please consider sharing it with someone. Send it to your friends, send it to your enemies, send it to anyone you don't know. Post it in social media, text it to anybody you want. <laughs> Just stop somebody on the street maybe and say, hey, you need to listen to this episode because your journey to greatness matters. So there you go. Sharing is caring and I do appreciate it very much. And if you want to share your story with me, go to thestorytellersnetwork.com and hit contact Dan on the contact page. Send me an email. Let me know what you love or don't love about the show. Let's have us a conversation ourselves. Until next time, thanks for listening. And here's to telling our stories and having those stories to tell. Cheers. Thank you.